you were explorers. You are, you're all explorers. I'm the lighthouse keeper, Linda, and I'm back to make sure that you know all about the upcoming quest at Discovery on Adventure Island, VBS. Um, our VBS is July 12th through the 16th, and it's from 5.30 to 8. We are serving supper, and because we're serving supper, we need you to tell us that you're coming. So please tell us. Let's say hello to our puppet friend, Beacon. Thank you. 
church, let's celebrate some, first of all, birthdays. Uh, birthdays this week, Bonnie Merrick, Kathy Lance, and those of you that know Tori, when we started coming to this church, Tori was this tall, two years old. Now he's this tall and 35, so, <laughs> so that's a good thing. Uh, also, we've got flowers. Um, thank you much for the flowers uh, in honor of the Hinchman picnic given by Kay, so thank you much for those. And if you haven't heard it yet, would you please sign up for VBS if you're coming? <laughs> Uh, there, there's signups both available on both on online or there's forms in the archives. All right, that is what I know. Are there other announcements that need to be shared? Ron. Ted, thanks for all the cards from my wife's stuff. Everything. Where did you come? All right. Yes. You got nothing? I got nothing. I'm sorry. <laughs> two two weeks. Two weeks, and, two weeks and two days, hey, over. I know. Okay. Next week I'll have five. Okay, all right, good to you. All right, I think we're ready to go. All right, ready to go. Like how I just jump up there like that, Woo! like a puppet. <laughs> all right, our call to worship this morning is responsive. You'll join me. We gather this morning appreciating our freedom to worship God. We draw near to the God who rules over all nations. May God continue to bless our country and all the countries in the world. We seek to live in harmony and peace together with all the peoples on earth. May God continue to establish peace on earth and help us understand that it begins in our hearts. Come, let us worship the Lord. Please rise if you are able and join uh, to hear the light of Christ reading. Psalms 33. A king is not saved by his great army. A warrior is not delivered by his great strength. The war horse is a vain hope for victory. And by its great might, it cannot save. Truly, the eye of the Lord is on those who fear him, on those who hope in his steadfast love to deliver their soul from death, and to keep them alive and sound. Our soul waits for the Lord. He is our help and shield. Our heart is glad in Him because we trust in His holy name. Let your steadfast love, O Lord, be upon us, even as we hope in you. Please pray with me. Gracious God, you would remain all the peace of the Lord. You invite us to serve you in freedom and in peace. Give to the people of our nation a zeal for justice and the strength for forbearance, that we may use our liberty in accordance with your gracious will. We ask this on the day of celebration, a day of hope for our nation made free. We ask this in the name of one who welcomes all to be free. Inspire us to live and worship in your freedom and for the sake of your kingdom. Amen. You may be
affirmation of faith. It's unison and it'll be on the screen. As followers of Jesus Christ living in this world, some seek to control, but which others view with despair, we declare with joy and trust our world belongs to God from the beginning through all the crises of our times until his kingdom fully comes. God keeps covenant forever. A world belongs to him. God is the king. Let the earth be glad. Christ is victor. His rule has begun. Hallelujah. The spirit is at work renewing creation. Praise the Lord. We rejoice in the goodness of God, renounce the works of darkness, and dedicate ourselves to holy living as covenant partners called to faithful obedience and set free for the joyful grace. We offer our hearts and lives to do God's work in this world with tempered impatience, eager to see injustice ended. We expect the day of the Lord. And we are confident that the light which shines in the present darkness will fill the earth when Christ appears. Come, Lord Jesus, our world belongs to you. You may be seated. I'd like to share with you this morning a pastoral prayer for July 4th weekend. Um, and this was written by uh, Reverend John Best, and I just couldn't have said it better than he did, so I used his prayer. So here we go. Gracious God of love, we are grateful that you have revealed yourself to us. Each of us loved by you as children. Each of us precious in your sight. Each of us a reflection of you. Each of us bound together by love, which is in fact your presence among us. We come to you, O oh God, weary and carrying heavy burdens. Some of us bear the yoke of illness. Some of us bear the yoke of loss and grief. Some of us bear the yoke of caring for those who cannot care for themselves. Some of us bear the yoke of unemployment or underemployment. Some of us bear the yoke of hunger. Some of us bear the yoke of homelessness. Some of us bear the yoke of oppression or marginalization. Some of us bear the yoke of violence. Some of us the yoke of anger. Some of us bear the yoke of depression. Some of us bear the yoke of addiction. From these and from so many other yokes, dear God, we pray for rest. We pray for healing. We pray for release. We pray for wholeness. On this holiday weekend, we recognize that our nation also bears many burdens. We don't trust our leaders. We cannot find ways to work together for the common good. We allow the least among us to suffer and languish. We lose our children to endless conflicts and wars. We fixate on what divides us rather than on what brings us together as one people. Remind us this weekend of our calling. Remind us of our common creed, that all people are created equal. Inspire us to ensure that all of your children enjoy life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Help us to be profoundly grateful for our freedom and security, and to never take these gifts for granted, and to use them for the betterment of all. God of all life, may peace and justice fill our land, and indeed, the whole world. We pray this morning for the escalating tension and violence in Israel, Palestine, Afghanistan, Hong Kong, and the Ukraine, and for places around the globe where people are victimized, where safety is threatened, where freedoms are denied, where life is treated as anything less than sacred. Gracious God, grant us the yoke of Christ, binding us together tethered by your love, guided by your presence, bringing your kingdom into this world. It is for this kingdom that we now pray using the words Jesus taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, 
as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever.
Peter answered him, Lord, if it is you, command me to come with you to you in the water. He said, come. So Peter got out of the boat, started walking on the water, and came toward Jesus. But when he noticed the strong wind, he became frightened. Beginning, in beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. Jesus immediately reached out his hand and caught him, saying to him, You of little faith, why did you doubt? The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Well, folks, happy 4th of July! Doesn't fall on a Sunday very often, so this is an extra special day. So we can celebrate lots of things. We can celebrate that we're all here together, that we're all healthy, that we live in a, in a land where we still have freedom of expression and freedom to vote and freedom to do all of those things that so many people in the world don't have freedom to do. So we can be thankful today for all of those things and for our one source of that freedom, which is the Lord. Our sermon series, we're going to continue today from Anxious for Nothing, based on that book by Max Lucado. And this is week three, and our title today is Prayer, Not Despair. Feel free. God of mercy, you promised never to break your covenant with us. Amid all the changing words of our generation, speak your eternal word that does not change. Then may we respond to your gracious promises faithful and obedient lives through our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. If only. In our search for what we think we want in life, we stand on the banks of the widest and longest river in the world. This river is not the magnificent Nile, nor is it the mighty Amazon. It is not a physical waterway at all. Yet so many of us are left standing on the water's edge. Wishing in vain for what we believe lies on the other side, beyond the farthing. We can spend our entire lives at that bank, longingly believing that over on the far shore is where our dreams lie. If you have ever found yourself saying things like, if only I were thinner, then I would be happy. If only I had more money. Then I would be happy. If only I were married to someone else, then I would be happy. If I only possessed the, that one thing I truly desired, then I would be happy. If you have said any of these things, or anything like them, and I know I have at some points in my life, you may find yourself standing on the banks of the If Only River convinced that it separates you from the good life. If you look inside your heart and find yourself standing here, you have located a source of anxiety for many of us. There is no bridge inside long enough to, to and no ferry strong enough to carry us across that river. Standing on the banks of the if only is anxiety producing because the never-ending quest to somehow get across to the other side is costly and it is perilous. Perhaps you work longer hours, longer and longer hours, in an attempt to reach that faraway shore. You're willing to sacrifice time with family and friends because you believe that the effort you are putting in is building a bridge and the eventual destination is worth it. Yet the distance seems as far as ever. Maybe you borrow more and more money, thinking that you can buy your way across the river to your goal. Yet the ferry you hire to get you there keeps turning back and dumping you off in the same spot you thought you had done for good. Maybe you keep piling on more and more responsibilities in the misguided belief that you can simply work long enough and hard enough to get across the river of it only by sheer force of will. However, after many years, you are no closer either. We're all in 
every one of us looking for the good life. But many of us are left standing, gazing forlornly on the banks of that darn river because we fail to understand the truth. You see, the good life over there begins not when our circumstances change, but only when our attitude toward our circumstances does. Consider this advice from Paul in Philippians 4, 6-7. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Jesus Christ. This attitude shift can only happen when we recognize the gifts that God has already given and then fill our hearts with gratitude for those blessings that we already have. It begins, my good brothers and sisters, with recognizing our need to turn to God in prayer rather than in despair. We learn in Scripture that there is power, lots of power, in specific prayer. In verse 6 above, Paul uses three different words for prayer. He says prayer, a general word that covers all the things we ask of God. In this version, they use supplication, but the word could also be petition, which speaks of humility or humbleness in prayer. And finally, requests, which refer to the specific items that we ask of God. There's a simple example of a specific request found in our scripture lesson this morning. Remember, after the feeding of the 5,000, which is where this story takes place, Jesus sends his disciples ahead to the other side of the lake in the boat while he goes alone to the mountains to pray. In the morning, the boat is far away across the water. And though the wind is blowing hard and the boat is buffeted by those waves, Jesus walks across the water toward the disciples in the boat in the dark. At first, they are afraid, thinking that the approaching Jesus is a ghost. But Jesus calls out to them, telling them it is he and that they shouldn't be afraid. Peter wants to be sure it is indeed Jesus because I imagine he wasn't very familiar with people walking on the top of the water. He calls out to Jesus, if it's really you, Lord, then tell me to get out of the boat and come over there to you. Of course. No ghost would do that, right? So, Jesus takes Peter at his word and says one word to him in reply. Come, says Jesus. By now, of course, Jesus is close enough that there is no doubt who's walking toward them. Peter has nothing to fear, so he steps out of the boat and begins walking toward Jesus on the surface of the water. Now, this is where the story takes on a kind of Looney Tunes quality in my mind. It's just like when Wiley e. Coyote runs straight off the cliff and keeps running successfully until he looks down and realizes that there's no longer any land beneath his feet and it's then that he falls. Peter, in his happiness to see Jesus, rather than a ghost, I imagine, walks across the water fine and dandy until he notices how windy it is out there. He takes his eyes off of Jesus, lets go of his faith, and immediately begins to sink into the water. Peter does, though, have the presence of mind to scream out a specific prayer. Lord, save me! Which Jesus does by reaching out his hand and catching him. And then Jesus walks back to the boat with a much humbled Peter in tow. Now this is rather a funny story in many ways, but the point here is that in his moment of trouble, Peter asked specifically for what he needed in the moment. He didn't say, Lord, I don't want to have any kind of misfortune at any point in my life, so keep an eye on that for me, would you? No, Peter didn't want to drown, so he asked for specific help. Save me! We see Jesus respond often in the Gospels to specific requests. In Luke chapter 18, verses 14 through 35, we read the following story. 
As Jesus approached Jericho, a blind man was sitting on the roadside begging. And when he heard the crowd going by, he asked what was happening. And they told him, Jesus of Nazareth is passing by. He called out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Those who led the way rebuked him and told him to be quiet, but he shouted all the more, Son of David, have mercy on me. As Jesus stopped and ordered the man to be brought to him, when he came near, Jesus asked him, What do you want me to do for you? Lord, I want to see, he replied. And Jesus said to him, Receive your sight. Your faith has healed you. And immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus, praising God. When all the people saw it, they also praised God. When the blind man was brought to Jesus, Jesus asked him plainly, What do you want me to do for you? And the blind man responded just as plainly, Lord, I want to see. Because he had the faith that Jesus could help him. He asked for exactly what he wanted, which wasn't coins in his cup. It was for his sight. Because he asked specifically, in faith, for what he needed, he received it. Now, most of us are familiar with the story of the wedding at Cana. When the family realized they had run out of wine, Jesus' mother had faith that Jesus would be able to do something about it and to save the family from embarrassment. She specifically said to her son, they have no more wine. Jesus didn't have to guess what the problem was. His mother had made it clear. She laid it right out there as she walked away, secure in the knowledge that Jesus would handle it. She said to his servants, do whatever he tells you. The short story is that Jesus not only provided more wine, he provided wine superior to that the family had initially provided, so that not only were they saved from embarrassment, they were lauded as great hosts. And in the story in Matthew 15, 21-28, read another example. Leaving that place, Jesus withdrew to the region of Tyre and Sidon. A Canaanite woman from that vicinity came to him, crying out, Lord, son of David, have mercy on me. My daughter is demon-possessed and suffering terribly. Jesus did not answer her word, so his disciples came to him and urged him, Send her away, for she keeps crying out after us. He said, I was sent only to the lost sheep of Israel. The woman came and knelt before him. Lord, help me, she said. He replied, It is not right to take the children's bread and toss it to the dogs. Yes, it is, Lord, she said. Even the dogs eat crumbs that fall on their master's table. And then Jesus said to her, Woman, you have great faith. Your quest, request is granted. And her daughter was healed at that moment. You see, the Canaanite people were not of the nation of Israel. Also, they were considered by the Jewish people to be unworthy of their attention because they did not worship the one true God. The disciples are irritated by this Canaanite mother who keeps following them and keeps asking for Jesus to help their da her daughter. Finally, the woman breaks through the people surrounding him and gets to Jesus, and she cries out to him, Lord, son of David, have mercy on me. My daughter is demon-possessed and suffering. The disciples want to send her away, but Jesus considers her request. He puts the woman's faith to the test, by insulting her status as a non-Jew. The woman does not take the bait. She simply answers that she is willing to take any help he is willing to offer. To reward her faith in the power of God, Jesus grants the direct request and heals her daughter. Now, according to these three examples and many others, a specific request offered to God in faith will be rewarded. We have three compelling and solid reasons to pray specific prayers. The first of these is specific prayers are serious prayers. Here's an example that shows what I mean. We are work colleagues, all you and me. And I have a big project due soon. 
And finishing it involves some technology that I am unfamiliar with. And I know that you have recently worked on a project using the technology that I need. So I say to you, hey, I heard that you used some really interesting technology on one of your projects recently. We should get together sometime for lunch and talk about that. You may not take my comment very seriously and assume my interest is not urgent. On the other hand, suppose you say, I say to you, hey, I have a project due in two weeks that requires the use of technical information that I am unfamiliar with. And I know that you used the same technology recently in something you were working on. Do you have some time, Monday or Tuesday, that we might get together for lunch so that I can ask you some questions about it? If I ask for your assistance this way, you know that my condition to you is sincere. When we offer specific requests, God knows it too. Number two, specific prayer is an opportunity for us to see God at work. We always like to see God at work, right? When we see the ways that God responds to the specific requests, our faith in him grows. In Genesis, Genesis 24, we find the story of Abraham's faithful servant. Abraham sent this man to Mesopotamia, Abraham's birthplace, here in number, to find a wife for Abraham's son, Isaac. I think it might be difficult to go find a wife for somebody else. I wouldn't want that job. However, this faithful servant prayed about it and asked the following in verses 12 to 14. Then he prayed, Lord, my God of my master Abraham, make me successful today and show kindness to my master Abraham. See, I am standing beside this spring and the daughters of the townspeople are coming out to draw water. May it be that when I say to a young woman, please let down your jar that I may have a drink, and she says, Drink, and I'll water your camels too. Let her be the one you have chosen for your servant, Isaac. By this I will know that you have shown kindness to my master. This is a mighty detailed prayer. And as it turned out, effective. The servant had barely finished praying it when Rebecca appeared and uttered the very words the man had prayed. He saw God distinctly at work. And number three, specific prayer creates a lighter mood. Many of our anxieties are threatening simply because they are vague or are not well defined in our minds. Whatever is bothering us, it helps if we try to distill the worry into a particular statement. This helps to bring the worry down to size. Anxious for nothing, anxious for nothing, Lucado gives the following example. It is one thing to pray to God, Lord, please bless my meeting tomorrow. It is another thing to pray, Lord, I have a conference with my supervisor at 2 p.m. tomorrow. She intimidates me. Would you please grant me a spirit of peace so I can sleep well tonight? Grant me wisdom so I can enter the meeting prepared. And would you soften her heart toward me and give her a generous spirit? Help us have a gracious conversation in which both of us benefit. And your name is honored. There, you've reduced the problem into a prayer-sized challenge. It's very easy to blow our worries way out of proportion if we fail to tame them by identifying with specificity what exactly about the situation bothers us. I am one who tends to fall into this trap, and I suspect many of you share this tendency. Of course, I am not condoning here that we become demanding and conditional in our prayers to God. No one presumes to tell God what to do and when to do it. I certainly don't. Nor am I saying that God will necessarily solve all of our problems in the way we believe he should do it. Alas, I am also not suggesting that the power of prayer lies in a precise formula or a secret code. How we present our prayer does not determine whether or not they are heard or granted. God cannot be manipulated by any formula and is not impressed by our eloquence. 
What I'm saying is that our Father is moved by a request sincerely offered simply because He loves us. After all, when we offer loving assistance to our own children, don't we want them to tell us exactly what they need rather than having them beat around the bush like my daughter does? <laughs> Even if we already know what they need, which God always does, the thing to remember is that specific prayer demonstrates a tangible way our trust in the loving, good God works. Because our Father in Heaven loves us. Nothing is ever too trivial or too challenging to bring it before Him in prayer. Even if we cry out in sudden fear or exasperation, just as Peter did, Lord, save me! God will hear us and respond. The final aspect of prayer in times of anxiety that I would like to talk about this morning is having gratitude. No one likes to be taken for granted, including God the Father. It is important for us to express gratitude in our prayer. In Philippians 4, 6, Paul reminds us to present our requests to God with thanksgiving. Gratitude means the mindful awareness of the things or the blessings that we've been given in life. Nothing that we have and nothing that we achieve in life happens by our effort alone. Many people live with contingent contentment. It's a mouthful, isn't it? I'd be happy if only I had so-and-so, this or that. Remember that river of if only? We already know we can never get across it to the good life by thinking that way. We have to learn to be content in the here and now. Paul teaches us the secret of certain contentment that he learned in Philippians 4, 11-13, as he sat, hear me, in a jail cell in Rome. I'm not saying this because I am in need. For I have learned to be content, whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do all this through him who gives me strength. The secret Paul has discovered is that Christ is enough. In fact, in Philippians, Paul mentions Christ 104 times, and it isn't a very long letter. Paul understood, as we must, that what we have in Christ is greater than anything we will ever have in the world. There's no way to win the rat race of materialism. There just isn't. There will always be a newer car, a bigger house, a greener lawn, or a nicer wardrobe to purchase. Gratitude is being filled with thankfulness for the things we have already received. Knowing from whom those blessings originate, and being content in the knowledge that whatever else we require, God will help to provide it in his own good time. As Lucado points out, Worry refuses to share the heart with gratitude. Let me say that again. Worry refuses to share the heart with gratitude. One heartfelt thank you will suck the life out of worry's world. So take that, worry. Thank you, Jesus. My grandma used to live in Bradenton, Florida, along the Manatee River, near the west coast of Florida. Many boats and yachts and even some houseboats are docked along the banks of the Manatee. The river is a tidal estuary, so the water rushes in and out depending on the tide in the Gulf of Mexico. And I would sit on the dock in her park and watch the houseboats and the yachts rock and sway up and down with the tide. And yet they never moved from their spots along the docks or further out in the water. Why didn't the boats drift with all that constantly moving water? 
They stayed put only because they were anchored securely to their moorings or to the bottom of the river. So what about you? To whom or to what is your life anchored? Will the currents of life sweep you along with the force of rushing water? Or will you remain securely and safely anchored in the harbor? What is keeping you from surrendering to God and being anchored in God's love, power, and wisdom? Today is as good a day as any to discover, as Paul did, that Christ is enough. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Lord, we face situations and decisions. It's complicated and dense. We feel confused and lost. Can you help us? Can you show us the light? First of all, O Lord, calm our hearts. Let us know that our peace depends upon you alone. No matter how things turn out, with you at the center of our lives, we will stand. We will survive. May your spirit keep us balanced, Lord. Show us your will. Let our minds and hearts be open to what best serves truth and life. Give us courage to do what is right. Show us your word. Reveal it to our hearts, Lord, and make our convictions strong. For when we go to you and you show us your will, the blessing is guaranteed. It may not be easy. It may take time. But upon Christ we stand firm. In Jesus' name we pray. Yeah. 
always, since uh, began the COVID protocols, <coughs> you may leave your envelope if you brought it with you today in one of the bowls that will be on the chair by the door. Or you are welcome to send it in the U.S. mail to drop it off during office hours in the morning on weekdays or um, use the online giving option. And we will take the money and of those ways. Um, but you know, however you send it, and however you give of your time and your talents, I just want to say from the bottom of my heart, and I'm sure from the bottom of the staff's heart, thank you. Thank you so much for your continued support and your faithful tithing and giving. And of course, God appreciates it too, I'm sure. For the blessings of this and all our days, we thank you, gracious God. Except we pray not just for money, but also our lives freely offered in gratitude for all you have done for us. Use them both in this place and wherever you might take us. Go in peace as you have promised. 
For these eyes of ours have seen the Savior, whom you have prepared for all the world to see. Blessing and honor and glory are yours now and forever.